Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning and how to be in right relationship with each other. We love coming together and we can't right now. So we come together in this way virtually from many different rooms, even many different states and some different countries. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And one of the ways that we greet the divine on a Sunday morning is to greet the people around us. And I would like for you, if you have comments, if you're watching this at a time and on a platform where you can comment, I would love for you to greet one another in the comments. And even if you don't feel like greeting anybody today, just say hello. Because this is our water ceremony Sunday, I would like to open by honoring all the four ancient elements in the neo-pagan world. We call this calling the quarters. If you know where east is in your house, it's time to face the east. Angels and powers of the east, direction of air, blow through us as we celebrate this water ceremony. Be with us. Give us thoughts. Give us an airy spirit so that we can breathe and help others around us to breathe as well. And now, if you will, turn to the south. Angels and powers of the south, direction of fire. Burn through us as we celebrate our water ceremony. We love to incorporate your fiery powers of passion, righteous anger, and spark. Thank you for your presence with us. And now let's turn again to the West. Angels and powers of the West, direction of water, be with us and flow through us as we celebrate your element today. We're grateful for your flow. We're grateful for your cleansing. We're grateful for the tears that we can shed. Thank you for being with us as we celebrate our water ceremony. And now if you would turn to the north. Angels and powers of the north. Direction of earth. Ground us and keep us solid as we celebrate this element of water in our lives. 
We're grateful for your rocky, earthy, furry presence in our lives. All ancient elements and powers, we welcome you into this circle of worship. I invite you now to say the chalice lighting words with me if you are moved to do so. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Our call to worship today is from A Little Princess by Frances Hodgson Burnett. She was a late 19th, early 20th century British-American novelist and playwright. If nature has made you for a giver, your hands are born open, and so is your heart. And though there may be times when your hands are empty, your heart is always full, and you can give things out of that. Warm things, kind things, sweet things, help and comfort and laughter. And sometimes gay, kind laughter is the best help of all. Sometimes you'll be sitting in church or watching church or working for church or working your work or in your beautiful house and with your beautiful spouse. And... You will say to yourself, what am I doing? That's a moment. Our church has written a mission to answer that question about why we're here, why we keep working for this congregation and why we keep uh, supporting it as it moves into the future. We wrote our mission statement and we rewrite it every seven years and we write it on the wall of our sanctuary and we say it together every Sunday. So please say it together with me. Together we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. After we say our mission... I always, and Chris always, whoever's preaching, always has a moment for beloved community where we build the beloved community by opening our eyes to something that we may not have known. And today I'd like to tell you about a uh, documentary that I was watching. And in this documentary, it was called The Viking Warriors. A group of anthropologists were excavating a grave, and they had excavated this grave over and over again and had the bones and taken them to Oxford or wherever, and they were pouring over the bones. And it took probably 60 years before a different anthropologist took a look at the bones and said, you know what? Those look like female bones. And the reaction from the community was, wow, or... That can't be, because you see, the grave was a grave of a warrior. Not only did that grave have one weapon, 
or two weapons, that grave had all the weapons. So this must have been a great chief warrior. Couldn't have been a woman. Why not? Well, it's interesting to me that anthropologists for years and years and years never even allowed themselves to entertain the possibility that this could be a female skeleton. I think it's wondrous because it teaches me how I can be a part of white supremacy culture and have to work hard to be an anti-racist even though personally I worked my whole life not to be a racist and even the people of color among us will understand that there is internalized racism in everybody. It doesn't mean anything except that you are in this culture and you've been taught it and you breathe it and you it's in everything and you can't even say I'm going to look at my biases my unconscious biases and I'm going to get rid of them because it's the nature of these these biases that you are blind to your own blind spots it is a constant work to be open to being shown that you have these. You can't just go off in your own little closet and do a self-examination of your uh, internal biases. It doesn't work that way. But other people sure can show us what they are. It's not comfortable, but it's a great gift. We all have blind spots, and we cannot see our own blind spots. Okay, that's enough of sermonizing on that. Hello, my name is Karen Neely. I'm a longtime member of First UU, having rejoined in 1988 when I moved back to Austin. It is my privilege as both a pledging member and a member of the Stewardship Committee to provide my personal testimonial about pledging and about what it means to be a steward. As a member of the Stewardship Committee, I'm particularly tuned in to the importance of pledges. They provide the critical income information that helps the church make its budget for the year. It's hard to allocate resources and make responsible spending decisions if you don't know how much is in your wallet. Now, as a member of the congregation, I would like to share my pledging journey with you. My initial pledge was based on my experience as a sustaining donor to KUT and other worthy causes. But then I visited with Mark Barkin, who was then the stewardship chair and my pledge contact. He opened my eyes to what it means to actually support this church, this congregation, for really the congregation is the church, in a meaningful way. But budget data is not really the information that drives my commitment to pledging. Rather, it's much more personal. I need this church. I need this community. When I moved back to Austin, one of the first things that I did was to reconnect with First UU. I had a new job and new career opportunities, but what I really wanted was connection with the community that shared my values, my hopes and dreams. First UU filled that hole in my heart. By pledging and supporting this congregation, I hope that First UU will continue to thrive and fill the holes in others' hearts. Our meditative reading today comes to us from Bill Bryson. 
Born in the U.S., Bryson relocated to the U.K. permanently in 1977. In 2005 until 2011, he served as Chancellor of Durham University in Durham, County Durham, in Northeast England. Bryson is known for his books on travel, the English language, science, and other nonfiction topics, and has become best known for his works, Notes from a Small Land, and A Short History of Nearly Everything. In his book, At Home, A Short History of Private Life, Bryson writes, Originally, the cellar served primarily as a coal store. Today, it holds the boiler, idle suitcases, out-of-season sporting equipment, and many sealed cardboard boxes that are almost never opened, but are always carefully transferred from house to house with every move in the belief that one day someone might want some baby clothes that have been kept in a box for 25 years. Now is the time in our service where I ask if you would join me in an attitude of meditation and prayer where we breathe together as well as we can during these times. Let us quiet our spirits if we are in a situation where that is possible. If you are a child, I would like to ask you to put your hand on your belly and breathe deeply five times. Not deeply, noisily, as noisily as you can, but just deeply and quietly. Here we go. I'll breathe with you. If you have candles in your home, if you have joys or sorrows or hopes or fears or determinations or vows you want to make, lighting a candle is a good way to mark those. So if you have a candle in your house that you would like to light right now, please do.
in this beginning of the school year Sunday, Unitarian Universalist congregations across this continent normally are having their in-gathering, their water celebration Sunday. In non-pandemic times, we all come together and everyone brings some water from a place that nourishes their spirit. In ordinary times, parents are looking forward to sending their children back to school. And children, a lot of them are looking forward to going back to school. And even teachers, I think, sometimes look forward to going back to school. And now everything is heavy and worrisome and chaotic. And how do you do your job and supervise your children while they're doing school from home? How do you even do that? And how do you get any kind of a good routine going when everybody is feeling a lot of discombobulation and stress and fear and and we're worrying about our kids and we're worrying about ourselves and we're worrying about our elders and nothing feels normal. I'm thinking a lot about flow because not only did it rain like the end of the world this morning here in Austin, but this is our water ceremony. And so I, I keep hearing the wisdom of the East saying, be like water, be like water, be humble, find your place, find a way around, wear down obstacles with patience. I think about how many people, including myself, have found this time of being of sheltering in place, which is what many of us are doing, to be a time of really feeling our our homes in a different way and really feeling our minds in a different way and seeing our relationships and our lives in a different way and finding different uh, ideas of what are the important things to us because so much has been taken away but other things have been given more time at home (laughs) and how do we find a way to be like water when our lives feel kind of stagnant how do we get a flow going when so much feels trapped endangered outrageous sad urgent at the beginning of this time a lot of people said I'm just going to get rid of all the clutter in my house I'm going to give away clothes And I never heard anybody say, I'm going to give away books, even though most of us have way too many books. But uh, we're Unitarian Universalists, and giving away books is probably not going to happen. But we tried to make our home space as good as it could be, and we tried to find, you know, we all had our favorite places in town to go. (laughs) 
So our urge was to find a favorite place in the house to go. Like, this is my favorite window. This is my favorite chair. I'm going to have my coffee here. I'm going to look out at that view of my yard. I'm going to take a walk past these trees in my neighborhood. We appreciated small things. Really, if my espresso pot dies, I'm going to have to have some kind of a meaningful ritual for it. Uh, I love it so much. I've been cleaning out my mind space too. I've been writing on this uh, book of my life that I've been writing on for the last five years of vacations. And I'm trying to put all my ideas in there. (laughs) Everything that I have known and all the stories that I hadn't written down already um, in my other books. And I'm I'm trying to just... uh, clear out my mind space so that new ideas can flow in because I've got so much to learn about so many things. Uh, I just need some room in there. So uh, clearing out home space and clearing out mind space and getting your flow going and letting your ideas flow, not being stagnant. I'm reminded of this guy uh, and his writing, Victor Parachin, and what he said is this. Be a stream, not a swamp. Remember, it is the mountain stream that carries fresh, life-giving water because it flows out. However, the swamp is stagnant. A swamp collects and retains water that comes its way. Don't be the kind of person who seeks to accumulate much before allowing a little to flow through. Don't be, don't be the kind of person that seeks to accumulate much before allowing a little to flow through. In many moments of my life, I've felt pretty stagnant. I've felt mired down with uh, responsibilities and with stuff and with hopes and resentments and thoughts of things I wish that I had done better and people I wish that I had gotten to know better and appreciated more. And I imagine some of you have felt mired down by those things too. You might be feeling that now. How much to let go of is the question. How much to give away? How much to let flow? Nobody can tell you that. You have to, it's between you and the spirit. How much do you let flow? And um, I think most of us have good common sense about that. But I think sometimes our fears, especially at a time like this, can get in the way of our common sense or can influence our common sense in an unlovely way. You know, I think I've told you that I watched a season of Hoarders by accident. And what I noticed was how much thought most of those folks gave to what could be used, what could be made of the things that they kept. And they had plans for all the things. They had art plans, or they had recycling plans, or they had gift Plans And what horrified them the most was that anything should go to waste. And so they had plans for all the things, but the executive function was a little bit behind. And so the plans didn't really get done. And so the things silted up, piled up. I know writers are like that with ideas. We think, oh, that's such a great idea. I'm not going to use it right now on this project. I'm going to use it later on the big project, my most important project. And most writing teachers say, don't do that. 
They'll say, you have ideas right now. Use the ideas you have right now. And when you have the big project or whatever, new ideas will come to you. Plus, you never know what your big project is. You might think one thing is, but it's really that other thing. So keep the ideas flowing. And I know in our culture, we are always horrified by by out of control hoarding like we we whisper about the lady neighbor who has 40 cats but we don't somehow whisper in the same way about the billionaires among us we don't ever say ooh they're that's crazy money hoarding that they're doing that's that's not in our culture i think it is in the native cultures um but i am not native i'm from the white culture so I have hardly ever heard somebody say, ooh, that's crazy money hoarding. They should let some of it flow. I know the big question is, what's enough? Because how do you know when you have enough money? And how do you know when you have enough um, stuff? And how do you know how much to let go of? How much to give away? I mean, the the Hebrew Bible says, give away 10%. The Muslim scriptures say, um, I think, not a Muslim expert, but I think it's 10% of income, but 2% of holdings. And so if your holdings are more than your income, you go by 2% of holdings. I think every spiritual tradition has some kind of guidelines about the flow, about how much time to give, how much effort to give, how much money to give. You know what I don't hear many people talk about is how much responsibility to take on. And am I saying that you can be a responsibility hoarder? What? Yes, I am. I have been one, and I know a lot of them. And these are people who will take all the responsibilities. And they will act like they are God's right hand. And that God cannot do anything without them. And that they are the only helper in this whole situation. And I want to say, bless those people because they keep churches running. However, they burn out. Because you can't be a hoarder of responsibilities. You have to let some of them go. And those of you who are not hoarding responsibilities, maybe you need to pick some of them up. How can we set that boundary of enough in our lives? And most of I can look out over this empty room and visualize this congregation. And so many of you are working so hard to make this world a better place. And you are right now writing thousands of postcards to people who may have been kicked off the voting rolls. You're, you're doing you, you, the vote, and you're uh, partnering with reclaiming our vote, and you're writing postcards. And this is such blessed and necessary, necessary work. And I am so grateful to you for giving our church this kind of energy. And many of you are kind of at a loss and don't really know what to do. And I want to tell you, we have this whole team called Transformation Through Service. And they will be happy to interview you and tell you what all is available for you to do. 
And many of you, oh, I'm seeing your faces right now, are working so hard with our sanctuary leaders, Hilda and Yvonne and Alirio, trying to get our immigration laws changed and trying to get them free from sanctuary. And I'm so grateful to you all for doing that work. Our folks are working so hard to make this world a better place. I want to ask something of you parents. And I know you may have turned it off already. You may have just gone, oh, here's what I want to ask. There are people who would like to help you. We can't school your children. We can't take them on a walk, really. But we can bring you meals. If, if somebody leaving a meal on your doorstep would help you, please let me know. We really want to help. And we want to make your burdens lighter because we see you and we feel you. And those of you who are enduring the burden of being alone in this sheltering time, we see you too. And I want you to, to know that there are people who will call you if you want, write emails to you, Zoom with you. Zoom is our little window on the world now. We're all trying to figure out how much money to give, how much time to give, how much blessing to give, how much love to let keep flowing through us. What is enough? What is too much to give? What is too much to hold on to? We're all going to try to keep ourselves moving, flowing, to keep ourselves out of that swamp of despair that threatens to suck us under. We're going to do it together. We're going to do it together. Much love to you all. Now please join me, if you wish, in saying our words for extinguishing our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Please sing with me if you care to. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire and sparkle and glitter and glow. Remember the way of the water and ebb and flow. Remember the way of the earth and grow. May you and all the elements who came to join us go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.